It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. At Experts Electrical, we're celebrating Italian pizza perfection with Smeg. Buy a Smeg Victoria, Opera or Portofino range cooker and get a free Smeg pizza stone and shovel worth €169. Euro. The finest Italian cookers, the finest Italian pizza. Perfetto. Shop Smeg now at your local Experts Electrical store and expert.ie. There's so much going on in Latin America. In Colombia, demonstrations against proposed tax reforms have turned into countrywide protests. It can be confusing. Health authorities across Latin America are battling a rise in coronavirus infections. That's where El Hilo, a Spanish-language podcast from Radio Ambulante Studios and Vice News, comes in. Cuando un edificio se cae, no perdona. Cuando tú vives en una dictadura, ¿qué opciones tienes si eres oposición? O la cárcel o el exilio. Listen to El Hilo every Friday. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. What are the ingredients for a perfect telenovela? Obviously, you need twins, a rich one, and a not-so-rich one. You need a terrible accident and mistaken identity. Throw in a charming prince, a cruel stepmother, and a father with dark secrets. Oh, and don't forget the nun. Wait, there's a nun? This show has all that and much more. Princess of South Beach, a telenovela like you've never heard it before. So la princess of South Beach. Listen to Princess of South Beach on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's not toilet paper or Lysol wipes. It's Pokemon cards. Trading cards are having a renaissance with some worth thousands of dollars. Certain Pokemon cards are now worth more than most brand new cards. Rare cards like Charizard and Pikachu are flying off the shelves. A bizarre incident outside of Target where several men got into a fight over trading cards. Safety concerns are prompting Target to stop selling trading cards in its stores. The 90s, there was a little craze, but nothing like this. Whatever the reason for getting back into the game, all Pokemon collectors have one goal. Oh my god! To catch them all. This is Vice News Reports, and I'm your host, Ariel Zumros. Here's something that you should be paying attention to right now. I'm talking about Pokemon. The price of Pokemon cards has skyrocketed during the pandemic, alongside a bunch of other collectibles. But Pokemon, some of these cards are now worth hundreds of thousands of dollars. And they're getting auctioned off at really fancy auctions alongside these significant pieces of art. And people are legit getting rich off of these cards. People are obsessed with this, so much so that they're now going back to their childhood bedrooms to try to find their old collections. And they're waiting for hours in line at Target, trying to get their hands on new cards. It's kind of gotten out of hand. So Jason Kebler, the editor-in-chief of our tech website, Motherboard, is here with me today to break down exactly what's going on with these Pokemon cards. 
I've wanted to be on for a long time. So (laughs) first time, long time, as they all say. Oh, good, good, good. So Jason, from what I understand, this whole Pokemon phenomenon, this isn't just something that you're reporting on, right? You've also gotten in on this. I have. Yeah, I'm actively selling all of my Pokemon cards. Uh, I was really into it as a kid back in the 1990s. And it seemed like so was everyone else. Pokemon the movie joins Pokemon the video game and Pokemon the trading card as must-sees and must-haves. Totally. I have vivid memories of going out into the playground at recess and seeing all the boys and some girls huddling together with their cards. Lunchtime is trading time and the cards are flying. I'll trade you this for a Gyarados. I like Pokemon because it's fun to play. These things will be worth something in a few years. Do you remember your first Pokemon card, Jason? Yeah, I was 11 years old, I think, and it was 1999. I remember walking into this card shop in Crofton, Maryland. I went with my dad all the time to baseball card shops. Like we were huge Orioles fans. I was, you know, looking for baseball cards and suddenly saw that there were Pokemon cards on sale. And at the time I was playing Pokemon Red on my Game Boy. I think I was sneaking it into school and like playing it under my desk. Pokemon for Game Boy is here. With both packs, you can catch them all. And so I was a huge Pokemon fan. I was like, Pokemon cards, what are those? Pokemon cards were brand new in the United States. Pokemon is short for Pocket Monsters. It is a Japanese video game which invaded the U.S. last year. And I saw Charizard, which was one of my favorite Pokemon. It's like this big dragon that spews fire. Uh, He's super powerful. Charizard, use your flamethrower! And I was like, wow, I need to get this. Uh, It's a holographic card. Like, it was all shiny and stuff and a Zapdos, which is this legendary Thunderbird that is also really powerful. My dad probably gave me 15 bucks or something, and I bought a few packs, and then I bought these two cards. And little did I know, these were first edition cards. These were some of the first cards that they ever made. And, and like later learned, they're some of the rarest in the game. I also just got into eBay because I was buying cards on eBay and then I realized I could also sell cards on eBay and by that time I had realized that my Charizard was worth a lot of money Uh, and a lot of money at that time was $150. It was also my first experience of capitalism. I realized that I could kind of like trade this thing that I bought for a low price and sell it at a high price. And then, like, a few years later, I kind of, I grew out of it. Like, I went to high school, and I just, like, didn't think about it really at all. Um, And then earlier this year, I saw a story, like, it just popped into my feed about that very same card, the first edition Charizard, that had sold for $300,000. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> yeah, so I bought this card for $5, sold it for 150 and then 20 years later, it sold for $300,000. And I'm like, huh, like, I really fucked up here. Like, I really made a big mistake. Like, I could have, I could have bought a house, you know? I could have bought a boat. 
So this made me want to go back and find my old collection. Um, it was the pandemic is still the pandemic and I couldn't go back mm-hmm. to my, my childhood house. So I like, I conscripted my brother and I was like, you have to go find our old cards. You have to find my cards. You have to find your cards. You have to mail them to me. And he sent them out to me in California. And I spent like days just going through them and like looking up what they might be worth. And then I started putting them on eBay. Okay. And and, and so you sold some of them? Yeah. So in, in I think I started selling them in February. So in four months, uh, I've sold like $4,000 worth. Jason, four thousand dollars worth of pokemon cards yeah and i mean so so let me like put that in perspective like it's definitely worth my while it's definitely like four thousand dollars that i'm happy to have i'm also splitting it with my brother and i'm splitting some of it with my sister but yes i've made thousands of dollars selling my old pokemon cards and it's like i i've started diving into this world and it's a lot crazier than I originally thought. Something's happening. So I, I need to explain to you like what I found. I did not set out on this reporting quest because of work. Actually, I kind of started doing Pokemon again because I wanted something that was not work and I wanted something separate from work. And then I just realized that everything that was happening in the Pokemon card world was also tied to some of these bigger themes that we've been writing about at Motherboard about like labor and capitalism and also just like crazy rises in value associated with like cryptocurrency and GameStop and stuff like this. Pokemon cards and sports cards have seen their value skyrocket. And I didn't think the story here was that the collectibles are worth a lot of money because they are collectibles. They've always been collectibles. They're meant to become more rare and more valuable. But what's happening is a lot weirder than that. How much money am I holding in my hand? So you're holding three quarters of a million dollars. We are opening up a first edition base set booster box. Now, if you guys don't know, this box is valued over $90,000. This isn't just old cards. Brand new Pokemon cards are selling for really high prices too uh, because they're really hard to get. So I got up this morning and for 10 hours I drove around to every Walmart and Target, CVS and Walgreens within a 100 mile radius of my house. They're like sold out everywhere. I mean, there's a shortage. People are lining up the night before to buy new Pokemon cards that are coming out and it's become a major problem. What did I find? Nothing but Magic the Gathering cards. Y'all people are out of control. There's been like fights over cards, like Black Friday vibes, where people are just like freaking out, um, trying to get these things. I'm tired of being left out and not getting the cards that I want at the restocks. So I'm going to spend the night in Target and I'm going to see what I can do in the morning. And yes, I did say spend the night in Target. The Nintendo Corporation has issued a statement saying like, there is a shortage, like we are trying to print more and we cannot keep up with demand. Target stores across the country are temporarily pulling all sports trading cards and Pokemon cards off the shelves. So Jason, Pokemon is great and all, but why are people literally fighting each other over these collectibles right now? Yeah, I mean, it's because you can take these cards and immediately resell them for like three times the price on eBay. 
Uh, so there's a few ways you can make money with new Pokemon cards. You can buy these packs and then you can just sell the unopened packs on eBay for like three times the retail price. Uh, so it's it's free money in a, in a sense. Or you can open up the cards and hope you get a rare card that you can sell for, I don't know, 10 times what you paid. You know, I actually saw people at the park, uh, at a park in Brooklyn this weekend selling Pokemon card packs. This is happening everywhere right now. Yeah, in parks, it's completely taken over Facebook Marketplace. People are like mad because Facebook Marketplace is entirely taken over by Pokemon. And then it's also taking over YouTube. So do you know Logan Paul? Of course I do. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I paid $50,000 for seven Pokemon cards and it gets worse. So he bought a bunch of unopened packs from the first edition base set which came out in the 90s and claims he paid $2 million. And then he live streamed the whole thing to his fans. I will be opening this world record setting $200,000 box of first edition Pokemon cards live on this YouTube channel. I can feel the good vibes too. Can you feel the energy? I, can, I know there's Charizards in here. Um, and a lot of people say that YouTube is actually driving some of this resurgent interest and like Twitch also, because there's a lot of YouTube personalities who are buying super rare things and then showing them off and then getting like millions and millions of views and adding sponsorship to the videos and stuff. And they're like, look, I found this really rare card. Like, why can't you? So like when you think about it, I mean, you have people who are collecting with a lot of money, you have celebrities, you have these like longtime collectors, you have people revisiting their childhoods, and then you have like the virality of these YouTube videos. It like, it feeds itself. It's evolving. So is anyone trying to rein in this Pokemon madness? That's after the break. 
Now we fear it may bring about the end times. But we don't have to live in the futures we see in Terminator, Black Mirror, or Westworld. We can choose a different path, where instead of being used by tech, we use tech to bolster our individual participation, to strengthen our relationships, to help us flex our collective power. So season three of How to Citizen with Baratunde, it's all about tech. Launching October 14th, we will bring you the people building things with technology that go beyond just revenue and user growth. They empower us to citizen. Listen to How to Citizen with Baratunde on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. I want to get back to being in my community group. I want to continue having a soccer season. So I can throw parties again. <laughs> so I can go to her parties. <laughs> It'd really be nice to dine in instead of getting delivery for a change. So I can feel safe and protected for myself and my students. We each have our own reason for why we're getting vaccinated against COVID-19. What will yours be? Visit GetVaccineAnswers.org for information on the COVID-19 vaccines. It's up to you. Brought to you by the Ad Council. If I could be you. And you could be me. For just one hour. If you could find a way. To get inside. Each other's mind. Walk a mile in my shoes. Walk a mile in my shoes. Walk a mile in my shoes. shoes. We've all felt left out. And for some, that feeling lasts more than a moment. We can change that. Learn how at belongingbeginswithus.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Walk a mile in my shoes. I don't want to come across as like goody two shoes here, but is anyone regulating the market? Uh, no, there's a lot of scams out there. At the same time, there is a system to verify the legitimacy of a given card and the quality and the condition of the card. And it's something called the graded card market. How exactly does that work? It's basically where you send the cards to a professional and a professional who's, I mean, this is all they do is they look at the card and they give it a score from one to 10. And that score is based on the condition of the card and its authenticity. And if a card is graded a 10, then it's considered to be gem mint is what it's called. And if a card is graded a 10, it's worth like 30 times what an ungraded card is worth. So there are three main companies that do this. They're called PSA, BGS, and CGC. And these companies have been around for decades. And so you have just like, I don't know, hundreds of thousands, like a lot of people finding their old cards and sending them to these companies. And these companies are basically like, they've been brought to their knees. Wait, what? There's essentially like a labor crisis. Like you basically send your cards to PSA or CGC and they're like, we'll get this back to you in one year. Wow. Like we are going to have your card for like a really long time. They called it an avalanche of cardboard, which is pretty like dramatic. They also called it a tsunami of submissions, which like gets me thinking in terms of natural disasters and like humanitarian disasters. Yeah, I just feel like that comparison doesn't quite work, but okay, <laughs> they're overwhelmed, right? Yes, that's, they're, that's... they're, yes. 
So I kept seeing all these crazy press releases that made me think there was a bigger story here. So I reached out to Max Spiegel, who's the president of CGC, which is the company that I sent my own cards to. We're about five weeks behind for cards on opening up the mail. I mean, we're getting, you know, semi-trailers every day dropping off mail. It's pretty crazy. One thing like really caught my eye when I was reading these blogs, Max said that they had been working, quote, thousands of hours of overtime. If I could hire 100 people today, we would totally do that. I mean, we need a lot of people. It probably is going to end up having to be 200 or more people. And it's like, that's kind of the same thing that we've been hearing from like Amazon and uh, companies that have also seen a huge growth during the pandemic. But like PSA and CGC are not Amazon. They're much smaller companies. So CGC is hiring for every single position. We're now offering $2,500 signing bonuses for any new employees. And what about your cards? You said people have been waiting for months to, to find out what grade their cards have gotten, right? So did you hear about yours? We sent in 100 cards. So 100 of my brother's cards and my cards. And then I just heard nothing for like a really long time. It's just like I emailed, I actually emailed the company and I was like, did you guys lose these? When I asked Max, I was like, yo, like what's up with my cards? So I'm not asking you to like go find my cards. Um, But it's like, I sent them in February. It said 30 days. And now it says, I think like 90 or, or I don't even know what it says now. Well, so I did my research before this call and your cards actually are ready. So they, you should be getting a notice that they'll ship soon. Wow. I see. I just, I just checked and it's in grading slash quality control. That's, that's really exciting. I was, I honestly wasn't expecting them uh, probably to like the end of the year. Jason, I'm still having trouble wrapping my head around why these cartoon characters, which are printed on these pieces of cardboard, are selling for six figures. Like, why now? Why, after being on the market since the 90s, are Pokemon so coveted in this moment? Yeah, in a big way, these cards have actually become like an asset class, the same way that cryptocurrencies have or art has and it's like people are buying them they're holding on to them it feels like they're like investing in something that will continue to grow in value how do you think nostalgia is playing into all of this yeah it's it's so funny for me like i did not think about pokemon cards for a decade 15 years probably and I spent much of the last decade like moving to Brooklyn, going to bars, going to concerts, like trying to be cool. And then the pandemic happened and that like veneer was kind of like ripped off. Like now that so much of our life is not a public performance, I got back into video games. I hadn't played video games in a, in decades. I got back into Pokemon cards. I bought a skateboard. Like these are things that I did when I was 12 years old. I've actually read that people tend to go back to their childhood hobbies and interests during traumatic events because it is a like deep source of comfort. And actually we saw this during the Great Depression. Uh, that's I, I believe that that is when uh, the, the prototypical hobbyist popped up 
and like stamp collecting became a real thing. I actually didn't know that. This is new information to me. (laughs) (laughs) But why do you think these people are putting money into things like Pokemon cards or NFTs, like things that aren't traditional (laughs) to invest in, right? So like what's driving that? I mean, I think it's like we live in a time of like massive income inequality and like people see tech billionaires getting super rich. And I think it's like if you're not like side hustling in some way, like are you falling behind? Like there's this entire concept of just like we need to work all the time. We need to uh, like have jobs, but also be like a business person and like have a side hustle. It's like, it's kind of just like this culture of like work, 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 make money, like keeping up with the Joneses. But now like keeping up means trying to become like super rich by some like and quickly. Like you see these crypto billionaires or millionaires like putting $100 into Dogecoin and then three weeks later selling it for like $100,000 and buying a Ferrari. I also think millennials and younger people don't really trust traditional investments or they are at least interested in other ones because they've seen the market crash disastrously twice in their lifetimes. So it might seem strange that Pokemon and other collectibles feel safer, but at least they're tangible. In some ways, it's like uh, the same logic you'd get with art or watches or wine. Do you feel that way? I used to feel that way for sure. I didn't know anything about the stock market or cryptocurrency or anything. Like, I I just didn't know anything about it. I had a lot of debt, but I also had like a lot of collectibles. Like, I had Pokemon cards, I had Beanie Babies, I hung on to all my old video games. And I always kind of thought that they would make me rich someday. And it turns out that they they like are helping a little bit, but but not making me rich. You mentioned Beanie Babies. So how do people know that Pokemon isn't like the Beanie Baby craze where people got all hyped up and bought these things and spent time in lines trying to buy them and and whatnot, and then they turn around and, and the Beanie Babies end up not being worth anything? Yeah, my mom has spent a lot of time in line buying Beanie Babies. She's really mad about it. None of them are worth anything anymore. But Pokemon is different. It really is. Uh, This is the most valuable media franchise on the planet. There are Pokemon videos. There are Pokemon stickers. There are Pokemon sticker books. There are Pokemon keychains. Introducing Kraft Pokemon Macaroni and Cheese. We're talking about cards that are 20 years old and like have been popular all of this time. And so Pokemon has worldwide appeal. And it also has lasting power. Like it cuts across demographics and regions and genders and it's cute and action-packed kids like it but adults like we're hooked on pokemon go uh pokemon is celebrating its 25th anniversary this year so it has this enduring fandom it's something that like people just keep coming back to and so i think the market's gonna get flooded short term now that everyone's trying to sell their cards but i wouldn't bet against pokemon in the long term well of course that benefits you jason as the seller right yeah it does um But I think that there definitely will be a crash. It's just a matter of when and how deep and will it bounce back. So are you worried that this could be another Charizard situation where like the value just keeps going up after you sell and 
you might end up missing out on a crazy opportunity. Yes. I mean, yes. Part of me is like, well, should I hold these for five more years? Like if, if all these people are buying these cards for me for uh, more than I ever thought they were worth, like what do they know that I don't? I'll, I'll take what I can get. I'll go on a trip with it. It will be a nice thing that happened. And like, I'll have Pokemon to thank for that trip. And then at the same time, it's like some kid somewhere is starting their collection and I'll like make up ideas in my mind about what they're doing with them. Maybe they're playing in tournaments. Maybe they're playing the game. Maybe they're just uh, keeping it in like an album in their closet. And in 30 years, they'll be doing what I'm doing now. You are weak, short-lived, incomplete creatures. Your journeys have only just begun. Pikachu! there's so much going on in Latin America. In Colombia, demonstrations against proposed tax reforms have turned into countrywide protests. It can be confusing. Health authorities across Latin America are battling a rise in coronavirus infections. That's where El Hilo, a Spanish-language podcast from Radio Ambulante Studios and Vice News, comes in. Cuando un edificio se cae, no perdona. Cuando tú vives en una dictadura, ¿qué opciones tienes si eres oposición? O la cárcel o el exilio. Listen to El Hilo every Friday. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. River Cafe Table 4 is a brand new podcast with me, Ruthie Rogers, the founder and chef of the River Cafe in London. River Cafe Table 4 takes us on a food journey around the world with friends like Paul McCartney. John Lennon and I hitchhiked to Paris and we thought, oh, we've got to have a wine experience. We're in France. And we took a sip and thought, that is terrible. It's like vinegar. So join us at River Cafe Table 4 to hear this brand new podcast all about their memories, their travels, and the food they turn to for comfort. Listen to River Cafe Table 4 on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Special thanks to Jason Kebler, Jeffrey Mercado, and John Stern. Vice News Reports is produced by Jesse Alejandro Cuttrell, Sophie Kazis, Jen Kinney, Janice Yamoka, Julia Nutter, and Sayer Quevedo. Our senior producers are Ashley Cleek and Adiza Egan. Our associate producers are Sam Egan and Adriana Rodriguez. 
sound design and music composition by Steve Bone, Pran Bandy, and Kyle Murdoch. Our executive producer and VP of Vice Audio is Kate Osborne. Janet Lee is senior production manager for Vice Audio. Production coordination by Steph Brown. Fact-checking by Nicole Pasolka. Our theme music is by Steve Bone. From iHeart executive producers Nikki Etor and Lindsay Hoffman. I'm Ahyed Zemras. I say this all the time, but for real, please rate and review the podcast. It really does help other people find the show. We're about to take a couple weeks off. We're going to work on a bunch of stories and come right back. So check back in soon. A lot has changed. With more of us working remotely, the way we communicate has had to change too. At Innovate, we're leading that change, partnering with Cisco to bring you WebEx Calling, a complete business phone service in the cloud. With WebEx Calling, your teams can stay connected anywhere, on any device. And with built-in Cisco security, you know you can trust it. For a free consultation, visit innovate.ie. Innovate, the IT solutions people. In this season of Unobscured, we will follow Grigory Rasputin's transformation from a peasant at the crossroads of history to a monster at the center of far too many legends. And in the process, learn how he took the weight of a fallen empire with him to the grave. Join us as we make our way into the burning palaces of Imperial Russia to dig up the truth about Grigory Rasputin. Unobscured Season 4 is available now. Listen and subscribe on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Not completing high school is more of a social thing than it was an academic thing. Even though all these years have passed, I still had that longing to have my diploma. At age 30, Carissa finished her high school diploma. If you're even considering getting your high school diploma, you can do it. No one gets a diploma alone. If you're thinking of finishing your high school diploma, you have help. Find free adult education classes near you at finishyourdiploma.org. That's finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council.